podcast about nothing and everything. We're not here to take jabs at the infamous Dr. Seuss. This is a show where I tell stories, share some original works, and dive into topics like art, pop culture, weird inventions, and anything having to do with cubby wubby room room tea. So sit back, put on some clothes, and listen to the just okay sounds of your host, me, Sam I Am. Here we go. Hey, everybody. All right, we're going to go ahead and start with looking at the corrections department. The corrections department came back to us and said that there were some quotes that we made last week in the episode about Helen Porter Pribble and the Boghead estate that were incorrect. So we made the claim that, not really claim, we just kind of guessed because we couldn't find it anywhere, but we said that she was probably just there by herself in this big estate, but she was actually married twice and she had three kids. Can't find out really anything about any of them, honestly. The only thing that they all have in common or anything that's on the public site, which lists, you know, where they're buried and stuff like that, is that they were related to Helen. (laughs) So no one really had any claim to fame other than Helen Porter Pribble. And I wanted to add that she was big into giving. Uh, We said that she gave the estate to the city, which actually isn't true. She sold it to the city for $325,000. She wanted them to turn it into something, the clubhouse for the golf course, but with the stipulation that she gets to stay at the estate until she dies, uh, or died, I should say. And that's basically all we got wrong. We just... We couldn't find it. I, I went to several sites and nothing was really listed anywhere. Even if on, on Wikipedia where, you know, you have links from names and stuff like that, you just go to that person's. All they said was refer to, you know, Boggy State or Helen Porter Bible. Nothing really was mentioned about the two husbands that she had or the three kids. So that's it. But otherwise, we, we, we pretty much got most of it right, I think. I mean, it wasn't all like a factual thing. It was kind of going over the estate and what we experienced there and our plans for it later on in the future. Now, we're going to transition to this week's episode. Back by popular demand, we're going to do another Lion Leprechaun series. So, if you haven't uh, heard the first one, I called it the Lion Leprechaun because one of the stories that I told in there happened to do with this guy who's kind of looked like a leprechaun following us around Florence, Italy. Uh, And I kind of like the name. It's a nice alliteration, so I'm going to keep it, the Lion Leprechaun. In this, I'm going to tell you three stories, and you're going to decide which one of these stories is true. Now, there might be more than just one that are true. Who knows? But... The Lion Leprechaun, the very first one, was Season 2, Episode 30. So that was back in June, towards the end of June, June 24th. Check that one out, uh, some good stories, and then I gave the answers to those, which one was true and which one was false, on the next episode. So that's kind of what I'm going to do today. I'm going to do three stories, and then next week or two weeks, I'm going to let you know 
what those answers are. In fact, I know it's not going to be next week, I'm going to tell you, because we have a special recording coming up this week for next week. We have another series of Down in Front with Michael Dip. We're going to, I guess, uh, just get started, right? All right, let's do this. I, I'm going to, okay, let's see. Uh, some kind of music. I'm going to play it right uh, now. Did I do it yet? Okay, now. No. The first story in this series. Should I have like titles for these things? Colorado Scare. No. No. Nothing like that. Actually, these episodes, these three stories, um, if little kids are listening to this, two of them are a little creepy, I think. So you might not want to listen to this episode. But the first one isn't really creepy. It was just kind of horrifying. <laughs> no, just kidding. It was a, it was a little scary moment, but it was nature caused, not um, like the next two stories that I'm going to tell you. So this first one happened to be in Colorado. Uh, now, my family, when we grew up in Nebraska, we went to Colorado quite often. I would say at least once a year. We used to go on super long hikes all day long because my father just wanted to walk and walk and walk, and we'd go up and down mountains, and it was just crazy. And on these hikes, I would pick up rocks and. Put them into my cargo shorts or cargo pants and so by the time we're like halfway up the mountain i have like you know 30 pounds of rocks in my pockets <laughs> and i'm like lagging behind towards the end and uh you know father was always like yeah just throw out the rocks and i'm like no i got, got this and now i have pretty strong legs because of it so and actually i don't think i have any of those rocks left that's okay <laughs> it's, but anyway so one of our trips and i'm not positive how old i was it's probably like 13 or 14 maybe 15 it doesn't matter we were going somewhere, we went driving for a while into the wilderness of Colorado. Not sure where we were going. I, I couldn't even tell you where it is today. But when we finally got to our location, you, you see, we, we get into this parking lot and there's a, a couple cars there. Uh, it's not a very big parking lot and there's really no signs for anything. It's just like you can like just pull off the road somewhere and you can just end up on, like on a trail. And so we did. We we got there. The weather was really nice, sunny, uh, some clouds, but nothing crazy. And just a thicket of trees, like the, the trail, it's really hard to see like sunlights in, in some spots because it's just so thick with trees. But you know, you know, it's daytime and you can definitely see it's just not as bright as you would think it would be. And I'm going up this trail for about 20 minutes or so. And my father seems very excited about this spot. We don't know why, and he didn't say anything. He, he didn't talk a lot, so we keep going. I'm looking for rocks, of course. I'm barely looking at you know things around me, and I don't know what my brothers are doing. And my mom, I'm not sure if she was like up towards my dad. I think we were kind of trailing behind. He he'd always led the pack because I don't know. About I would say probably 20, 30 minutes in, we see people running down the hill towards us. There's a couple, and then behind them was like a little family. And we, we step out on the side so that they can go through. No words really exchanged. I, I, we were kind of far back from our, our father and mother, so I'm not positive what uh, exchange they had, but it seemed like these people were in a hurry. And I know we did the considerate thing of just stepping off to the side so they can come down because the paths aren't like huge in any of these places that we go to. So they go down and, you know, we're just kind of looking. My father is looking back at them kind of like the, the crazy or something but again we don't know what's going on so we continue on our path and 
you know, my father goes up and another five minutes goes by and we're getting to this place. My father seems pretty excited, but at the same time, something doesn't seem right. And we're getting up to this point where there's going to be a clearing. You can kind of see it. Like it looks like, oh, there's just something up there. By the time we get to this little spot where it, it looks like it's going to open up into this big field, everything goes dark. And I mean dark and super quick. Now, it's not like nighttime, but it's pretty close. This sunny day all of a sudden turned into a cloudy nightmare. And all of a sudden, thunder boomed. And then we heard the trees. Coming from above were what sounded like really heavy raindrops hitting the trees above us. I remember just seeing for a split second, because we came up to where our parents had stopped and we kind of came up to where they were and it was actually a clearing and you can see there was more of a mountain uh, a bigger part of the mountain in the distance and in on this like this little plateau there's a, like this big huge pond or, or little lake or gorgeous for a split second until the clouds came and you really couldn't see much of anything and then we realized that it wasn't rain coming down it was big blocks of hail and we book it my dad you know yells something and we were like oh go 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 and we just took off down the hill we're following him trying not to trip i have rocks in my pocket already of course and uh then i get to the point where i'm like all right i'm ditching some of these rocks and we we get down it, it you know it took us 35 so minutes to get up there and probably like five minutes to get down you know and now we know exactly why these people were so terrified. I guess they were probably up, probably looking at this lake and saw those clouds coming and like, no way, we got to get out of here. Maybe they were you know, locals or something and knew that the weather could change just that quickly. And by the time we get towards the bottom, we hear what sounds like water coming after us. And you want to look back, but at the same time, you're trying to focus on not tripping or not running into anything and not, you know, run into a family member or, you know, a boulder or an animal. You know, you're just, you're doing what you can to stay upright and protect those around you. And we finally get towards the car and then you hear like this gust of wind and like this rain and the, the, the hail just all coming down on us. And thankfully, none of us really got hit with hail. But we looked back as we got to the car and here comes like a torrential, almost like flood coming down the path towards us. And then we look towards, there was actually like a, a road that goes further into the woods. I guess maybe it's another location you can go to and, and hike up from there, but water's coming from there as well. And we get into the car just in time as the water hits the car. My father uh, reverses super fast and starts driving off. and. You know, we're watching, looking at the back window, and you see, like, it looks like, like a tidal wave is coming. It's not, but it was just awesomely terrifying sight. And thankfully, we got out, and within, like, another five, ten minutes, skies were clear again. And this, this storm that was behind us was all of a sudden gone. You know, it came over us, went past us, and that was it. It was insane. And uh, I'll always remember that. Okay, let's talk about, this, is, this one I can give a title to, it's called Black Angel. 
I had been to, my, my mother's from Iowa. She has some family. I don't even know all of the family that she has, but like, you know, cousins and stuff like that on her side. I just know that in this area called Council Bluffs, which is, I guess it's in Iowa technically, but like it's supposed to be a part of Nebraska too. I, I don't think anyone actually claims it because <laughs> there's parts of it. It's like, it's questionable. It's like, uh, well, we don't really want this. Do you want it? So she has, I think these cousins or maybe it was an aunt. I don't even know if they're still around at this point. And I don't mean that in a callous way or anything. It's just, I don't, I don't know these people that well, but they lived in this little hilly town in I think Fairview or something I can't remember the name that, that kind of sounds familiar but it's in Council Bluffs and they live in this this house and had like the sunroom and we went for something it was like some party and I really didn't know anybody I, I know there were a couple of cousins that I did know like cousins my age that were there and so we hung out with them and and they happened to know a couple of these other kids that were about the same age. And so we all kind of like hung out together and we were inside for a little bit and I think we ate maybe, I don't, I don't even know. And then they were like, let's go outside because they were talking about something. They're like, oh, we gotta go check it out. Let's go check it out. And it, well, we didn't know what they were talking about. We were from the city of Omaha. We didn't really, we've never really been there. And we go, okay, so let's go. And right in their backyard, which wasn't a very big backyard, there's like this, cliff going up and you're, you're like you look up and it's like this they're like next to a mountain it seems like and there's like these steps that go up it so we're like oh cool so we're going up into the woods we think and so we're going up and no one's saying anything like the the people that know what's going on are like giggling and stuff like that and we get up over this little crest it's like a really steep stepway and when we get up there we realize we're in a cemetery these people lived just below one of the highest cemeteries in the state. And actually, when you're up there, you can actually overlook most of the, the area around. Like, you can see for miles. And it's, it's actually called Black Angel Cemetery. And it was named after this woman who was a socialite. Her name was Ruth Ann Dodge. And in, like, at the entrance slash edge of the cemetery... There's an angel statue, all in black, overlooking the entire area. So when you turn around to look back where we came from, that's what this angel is actually facing. And it's a big, big statue. And gotta say, it was it was creepy. And, it, you know, she's... One hand, hand is, like, outstretched, and the other one was holding this bassin. And I'll give you a little history of it, because I, I did look it up later on in life. So the bassin actually flows with water so it's it's a little fountain so she she was a woman who she was actually the wife of Grenville M. Dodge he was the most accomplished man of the 19th century in that area and anyway she she was like she's very affluent and she was very outgoing and you know she was a love of the arts horseback riding and she was an excellent marksman and she was just an all-around like pleasant person to be around and very talented and she you know, supported women's suffrage and she's you know there's actually like a, a museum like dedicated to this woman and a, a statue and after her husband died her health started to decline as well and she had this dream one night she was on a rocky shore and a boat approached her and on the boat was an angel and the angel uh, was very tall and beautiful and held a basin of water. And the angel said to her, drink, and I will bring you both a promise and a blessing. And she declined the offer, and then she woke up. 
a few nights later, she had the same dream. And again, she declined. And then the third night, she accepted the, the offer. She drank it. And she felt like she was transformed and she's going to be a new and glorious spiritual being and, you know, is going to give her immortality. And then a few days later, she died. Her kids, who she told this story to, they erected this statue and it's actually this angel like on the, the edge of a boat with a bassin in her hand outstretched. And instead of the angel being the angel, it's actually their mother being the angel. We go up there and... You see the angel like right away. I don't know how they were so close to the cemetery and you know, you just don't know what's there. And it was pretty high up. So we go over to it and they start telling us stories. There's a lot of legends that go around this. And of course there's going to be, and there's going to be creepy things. And there were creepy things. So one of the stories was that on the anniversary of her death, the angel statue comes to life and flies around the cemetery. And she's not even buried there. Like she's buried at a cemetery like two miles away from this place. But, you know, maybe she was looking for her body. I don't know. Another thing is, whenever it was Friday the 13th and there was a full moon, whenever those two things coincided, the eyes, which, by the way, were very realistic for a statue of this nature. Like, it actually looked like eyes. Not like the whites of the eyes, but it was pretty detailed. Like, it had pupils and everything. So, on this rare occasion where it was Friday the 13th and the full moon, her eyes would reflect the full moon and they would turn white and come alive, basically. And then another thing that people said is usually on just the regular full moon you would see her blink now when we were there you know they're telling us the story my brothers and i are big into this kind of stuff it was you know entertaining for sure and you're in a cemetery already so it is creepy and you, you kind of go into the hype of it but as we're standing there and they're talking i i could swear that i see something out of the corner of my eye I'm not looking at the statue. I was looking at one of the cousins or whoever they are. Explain some of these tall tales. And I shrug it off. And then my brother, one of my brothers, my middle brother, does the same kind of look that I do. Like he looks really quickly as if something caught his eye. Looks strangely around. And then returns his attention back to the story. And then my youngest brother, almost immediately after that, does the same reaction. And then I had to stop everybody. I'm like, did you guys see something? No one said anything at first, but then my youngest brother was like, I think I did. I was like, okay, that's good because I could have swore I saw those eyes move. And my brothers turned white and they both said the same thing. And now we're all looking at the statue and without warning, the eyes blink. We don't stick around. We bolt out of there. We almost all fall down those steps because, like I said, it was so steep. It was so crazy. We get into the house. We're panting, like going nuts, and we're surrounded by a bunch of people. I guess that's when we felt like we're kind of safe, but no one ever said anything. Some of the girls were like, what's going on? What you guys do? And, you know, you had the people that actually live there like, oh, you're telling the ghost stories again, aren't you? And none of us clarified. None of us said anything. And to this day, I've never been back. Okay, so the third one has to do with a haunted house. When I was in high school, we had a thing where we had to do a certain amount of community service hours. I think we had to do like 80 in our high school career. And that was part of the graduation. You had to do it. 
Well, I was a part of an organization, like a kind of like a youth fraternity, a Masonic affiliated organization that I have no affiliation with anymore. It was called Demolay. It was actually named after like a 13th century, I believe, Knights Templar, like a leader of the Knights Templar who, you know, went into exile and stuff like that and was found and tried and basically um, brave hearted. That being said, being a part of it, we actually did a lot of that stuff already. So it actually worked out really well. Like I was able to do a ton of community service hours, like hundreds of hours of just volunteering and stuff like that. But one of the cool things that we got to do was we had a connection with a haunted house. Like one of my friends within the organization had this connection. We actually got to participate in haunted houses, you know, just like to spook people. It was really cool. We got to, you know, you go just before it opens and they put you in costume and it's not like it was a huge production as far as you know um like it took you hours to get ready and stuff like that no it was like super quick like if you're getting makeup on someone came over and just like you know wipe stuff on you for two minutes and then you're ready to go after you put on like a jacket or something but it was actually a big place it was like this big warehouse and this is in nebraska so there's actually plenty of places for this so a couple of my friends and I did this, and I think we did it, I think they opened like mid-September, and we go all the way to Halloween. So we did it probably a couple nights a week for that whole season. I only did it one season, and you'll find out why. So this particular house, like the first time you volunteer, they actually take you through, and you actually get to see the whole thing, and you, you, know, you don't get to see it with all the lights off yet. It's actually with all the lights on, so it's less creepy. So we got to tour the whole place and it was really, really big. And it's like a maze and at night, forget about it. You know, I took a tour during the night, like as we were opening and I just went with a, a couple people and going to different spots on our way to our locations. There's a series of mazes uh, for behind the scenes as well. And one of the reasons for that was when you're part of the portrayal of, of some kind of scene or something, you're usually not only in one scene, they stagger the admittance of people one i guess it's to like make sure that you, you want people to be scared in these places so you don't want like a whole group going in one after the other after the other because that kind of takes away the, the spookiness and the, the thrill of it so you have like a good like two minutes three minutes between groups during that time you know a group comes up to you you're in one location well then you have time while they're traveling to like the next room, you have time to go up to like the room after that. And you are then a part of that little display of whatever. So one of the first things I was a part of was I was in like this little mausoleum thing where I'm laying on this stone slab. And as they come by, I, you know, I go, ah, and jump out and stuff like that and creep people out. And some people like expect it. So, you know, they laugh. But for the most part, you do scare people. And then as soon as they turn the corner, I quickly hop up and above me was a little entrance. Like I had to climb up and then I kind of like shuffle around and get to this other little dark area where you can't see anything, but you can hear what's going on above you and you knew, you know, what's going to happen. Like, you know, when people are entering this, this next room where you need to jump out. So the next room was like this little bedroom with like blood on the bed and stuff like that. And in the center, you know, like guts and, and, and things, I popped out of the center and like, ah, and the same thing. And I, you know, the, the particular outfit that I had on, I had like blood all over me anyway. So it just worked. And that, that was creepy because you have to go around the bed. Like it starts on one side of the bed 
and you have to walk around the entire length of the bed and by the time they get to that side they they know something's gonna happen so they're like against the wall like kind of <laughs> shuffling and like some people are like trying to like get out before they can you know get scared and, and then i pop out that was fun uh, another part was i would sit in this really dark hallway and most of the time in this particular spot you had a guide so it wasn't the whole time you have somebody walking you around but in different sections you would because one you have to keep them going and two it's just impossible to see so whoever's guiding them would say all right uh you hang on to me and then you know you hang on to that person and down the line so you kind of create this little train of, of people walking through and it's usually only like i know i'm going back and forth but it's anywhere from like three to eight people it's not a lot of people mostly like four or five in this really dark hallway, there's this chair. And I, I sit in this chair, and as people come by, there's a table next to me, and in my hand, I have like the switch which turns on the light for the table. And as soon as you get like all these people in front of you, you turn on the light, and then prop your head up. God, <laughs> it was terrifying. And then as soon as they pass you, you you'd get up, and then you go to this other section, and it was always creepy. It was always creepy just being a part of it, because you don't know all of what's going on in the rest of the, the house and every once in a while like you're sitting in the dark and then someone just goes past you and they don't say anything because they don't even know you're there <laughs> it's just really creepy um but anyway you get up and then you there's like one thing one part this is like on the second story so there's this open part where if you actually walk too far you're actually going to fall onto the floor below you but you can see everything it's got a nice little vantage point but on the other side of that wall was another spot where you reach your arm out like so as soon as they get past you you run over really quick god and like put your hand through this wall and trying to get them definitely had some people swing at me <laughs> while i was doing this and it wasn't uncommon for that to happen so anyway i did this on several occasions and usually those were the the two main things that i did and it was very entertaining for me and even though I was by myself in one section, the other section where I'm on a slab, there's actually somebody else there, and they go to another room as I'm going up to the bedroom. One day, or night I should say, we're getting towards the end of the show, and I befriend somebody who I hadn't seen there before, but it's not uncommon for you not to know everyone that's there because everyone's just like volunteers. No one's getting paid for any of this. It was just all volunteer stuff. Maybe that's not true. Maybe there's some people that got paid, but everyone my age, like most of the people doing this stuff was all high school and college people. So it was all just like entertainment, just to be a part of it. So as we're closing up, I'm with this new person. I don't even remember their name. It doesn't really matter at this point. We're walking around and checking out other things and oh, you gotta see this. And we go to where towards the beginning gotta go through like this mad scientist lab and so all of a sudden sparks like fly everywhere what they're doing is it's actually just an iron chain link kind of fence looking thing and they have a car battery hooked up to jump leads and they just scrape the leads against the iron and it, it creates sparks and stuff really creepy but it, it works and so we're looking at that and then we go look at other stuff and before i know it there's no one else around and then one by one all the rooms start turning off and it starts to get pretty quiet all the machines are turned off all the lights are turned off and we go oh no we're gonna get locked in here we we start moving and we go to this other part where it's like a prison cell type of thing not like a prison cell like a, a main room or like a rec room of a prison 
So it's, I don't know. I've never actually been into this room when, or when we got to it, but it was kind of creepy. And then those lights turn off and then we get into the staging area where they do the makeup and stuff. So I, at this point, it was probably just before Halloween. So this is like the last time I was doing this. I didn't know that until this happened. So we're going through and we finally get to the makeup area and no one's there. And then we tried the exit, which there's an exit right there. And it's like an emergency exit, but it's the alarms cut off so they can use it. We're going in and out. We press on it and there's a chain, the chain on the outside with a padlock on it. So you can't get in. So apparently not only did they lock it from the outside, but you know, it's a push bar thing. So from the inside, you can open it still, but they also padlock it. Cause I think they had some problems with people breaking in and stealing some of the makeup and stuff. So we were stuck. And we're like yelling out, is there anybody here? And me and this kid, we're stuck. And we go all around looking. We go to the front entrance where patrons come in. We go, we try to find other exits and stuff. Everything is locked. Nothing, there's no way out. And that's it. We're stuck here until they come back tomorrow afternoon. This sucks. My friends were gone. <laughs> I didn't drive myself. My friends actually already took off. And later I'd find out that they were looking for me and they thought that I left and they couldn't find me anywhere. They knew where I was going to be, but towards the end, they're like, you weren't there. So we walked around for a while. We asked everybody if they knew where you were. No one really knows anybody, like I said, unless your friends are there. So no one knew who I was really and no one knew where I was. I'm not even sure that I knew who actually ran the thing. I just knew the couple friends I would go with who put on my makeup, didn't know their name, but I knew them by face. And then that was it. Every once in a while you meet somebody who is dressed up. And you say, hey, and hey, and that's that's it. So this kid that I'm with is dressed as, kind of looks like he was from the 1800s. And he had shorts on, but like the suit shorts, jacket and a little bow tie and a little dress shirt. Then he had like these black shoes, that dress shoes uh, and lawn socks really good getup, and I was like wow they just gave me this lab coat and <laughs> sprayed blood on me and here's this kid with the Eddie Monster look if you don't know what Eddie Monster is just look it up so I don't know what to do you know there's some candy sitting around because every once in a while they would go outside and throw candy at people that are just waiting in line so we had candy we had bottles of water and the, that was it and for the next couple hours we're just kind of sitting there and I, I try asking him questions but he doesn't talk a lot and I don't even know his name. And, you know, I had a, a bottle of water. So I was like, you know, I'm going to go to the bathroom and uh, I'll, I'll be right back. I go to the bathroom. Thankfully, the lights worked there, but most of the lights everywhere else were, were off. We were able to turn on the lights in the makeup room where we were hanging out, but that was it. And we were going to go look around and kind of just explore the place, you know, see if we can turn lights on, but we couldn't actually find the breaker. We didn't know where they were. So we couldn't actually turn anything on other than the room we were in and bathroom which wasn't that far from the dressing room so i go to the bathroom and when i come back the lights off again in the dressing room this kid's gonna you know he's really <laughs> going into this and he's gonna try to scare me so i'm like ah that's very funny and i kind of know where the light is but i i'm not the one turning on he did and so i'm, I'm feeling on the wall and, and I, I do find it and i click it on expecting him to jump out but no one's there and i'm looking around and you know, there's definitely places to hide within the, the suits and, and stuff like that. And so I'm going around the room like, all right, what's going on? And he's not there. 
okay, maybe he went around the haunted house. Maybe he's just looking around, you know, maybe he's trying to find a way out again. So, you know, I wait a little bit just to see if he comes back. And again, I don't know his name, so I can't just yell at his name and say, hey, where are you? But I do every once in a while say, hey, buddy, you know, are you still here? And uh, then I decide to, to go out when he doesn't come back. I think it's 10 or 15 minutes I wait. And it probably it felt like that. It probably was only like two. And then I go and I'm looking around. I'm going as slowly as I can because, or I'm going as fast as I can, I should say, because you can't really see. Every once in a while, there's like an emergency light or an emergency exit light that's kind of illuminating a little bit of the path. But you really can't see much. And it's creepy as anything. And I'm just expecting him to jump out. Well, I get through, I think, a lot of the, the area, most of it. It's places I've never even seen before. I mean, there are places to hide. And if he was actually playing hide-and-go-seek with me, I, I probably would never find him. All night long, I would never find this kid. And guess what? I didn't. I never found him. I have got to get out of here. I'm going to go insane. I don't know what this kid is, but I'm not sticking around because obviously he's... He's playing a game, and I don't want to play this because I don't even know him. Thankfully, that original door in the dressing room, I go back to that door, and I realize that the chain really isn't holding it that much. Like, you could still get in and out if you're small enough. Oh, maybe he, maybe he did that. But I was actually able to squeeze through, and I got out, and I started walking home. But I was miles from home and I, you know, I finally found like a payphone and I got a hold of one of my friends because I didn't have a cell phone at this time. That's, you know, side note. And I got my friend to pick me up and that was it. I went home and he dropped me off and I was like, do you know this kid that, you know, I, I described the kid. He's like, no, I've never seen him before. Okay. Well, I guess whatever. I think he got out and he just didn't tell me that he was getting out and just went home. And uh, that was that. Well, come to find out, that kid was never there that kid no one knew him i went back that next the next weekend which was actually halloween weekend to work and i had asked everybody i asked as i was getting my makeup on i was asking the makeup artist do you know this kid i mean he looked like eddie monster he was here i know he was here i was with him no we don't have anybody of that age everyone is high school and older it's part of our policy and this kid that i was with had to be 12 or 13 he definitely was not high school that kid never was there i was with somebody <laughs> or nobody and i didn't even stay for that one because my friend didn't feel good and he's like i think I, I should go but two that's it i'm gone and i never went back and i haven't actually been to a haunted house since not even to just walk through that was the last time and uh yeah, that was that was creepy. Okay, so those were the three stories. You had Colorado, you had the Black Angel, and you had the creepy kid at the haunted house. So, which one was a lie? Go to nogreeneggs.com, go to the comments section, tell me what you think was the false story, which one was the lying leprechaun story, quote-unquote. Or you can go to Instagram. I'm going to post this and you can be part of the discussion there. Uh, also on Facebook. Both are No Green Eggs Podcast. And uh, just tell me what you think. See you, not see you. Thank you for listening to No Green Eggs. Please remember to like and subscribe on whichever platform you're using to listen to us. 
The producer for the show is Iovino Consulting, which are also the editors, contributors, writers, food suppliers, bathroom cleaners, and overall everything of the podcast. The musical director is Donnie Ronaldo. You can check out his work on YouTube, Spotify, under Project Meld by Dominic Ronaldo. Remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at No Green Eggs Podcast. And visit NoGreenEggs.com to stay up to date with latest information and to find out how you can support the podcast. Thank you for listening.